Rise and shine with the Word of God. Wake up Saturday mornings with a purpose. Tune in at 10 a.m. and join Antonia Roman as she sings and reads the Word of God. The Word of God will give you insight for the purpose in your life. Now here is your host, Antonia Roman. Good morning, good morning my friends, good morning, buenos dias, buenos dias amigos, buenos dias, good morning my friends, how are you today? Today on this Saturday morning, where we're now in the month of December, and we are moving along, <laughs> Before you know it, it will be the end of the year. Wow. I don't know about you, but I feel like this year for me went by pretty quickly. And uh, I look back and I reflect and I was like, wow, what did I do this year? What did I accomplish? Um, whose lives did I touch? Whose lives did I, didn't I get to touch um, or impart in? And... Um, I just say to myself, we still have time. There's still several days left in this year to continue to spread the good news of the Lord and to impact people's lives and encourage people, let them know who Christ is in our lives, um, share our testimonies with people to give an opportunity to allow people to have an encounter with God because we know that there's a lot of people in the world today that are hurting and they're looking for answers. They're looking for resolutions. They're looking for someone to help them. And we know that ultimately Jesus Christ is the anchor that can help them in their lives. So my friends, I'm glad that you are joining us today again. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, we welcome you. Welcome, welcome, welcome you. Uh, as you know, for those that have been following us, we have been in the book of Hosea for the last couple of weeks, and we are still in chapter four of Hosea. Uh, we know that we've been covering the chapter of Hosea, and this is a very deep chapter, <laughs> a very deep book um, of the choices that Hosea made based on what God asked him to do and his obedience what the turnout of that obedience uh, turn, you know, became uh, reflective of, and most of all, how it affected the community, how God was going to use that um, to make changes, to bring about, you know, a new beginning, to bring about an awareness of who He was. And one thing I have to say, my friends, is that when you obey God. You are deciding to do exactly what God has asked you to do. And there's no it's or buts about it. There's no doubts. There's no adding nor taking away. Whatever he requires of you, you do it 100%. And my friends, as we've been in the book of Hosea in chapter 4, and we had just did started chapter 4, Last week, we had, uh, just for the quick recap, we had spoken about, you know, how God was revealing uh, the sin that Israel was committing and how he was placing charges against them, how he was stepping up the game and saying, enough is enough. Uh, God was letting them know your time is up. And... Um, that, you know, we were no longer going to be uh, just going about at this time of Hosea. They were no longer just going to be going about what they wanted to keep doing. Because they had no boundaries. They had done away with God. And people were not even acknowledging God. People were not even in their conversation of the word of God. People were not praying to God anymore. People were not meditating on him. And, you know, people had the tendency to blame other people for things that were happening when they weren't looking at themselves. 
And then, uh, you know, we didn't listen. They weren't listening to what God was saying to them. They weren't paying attention. So because of that, God was like, well, since you've been dismissing me, since you are not paying me any attention, you're not paying me any mind, I have no choice but to separate myself from you. I have no choice but to have you face consequences. And I have no choice but to say, okay, enough is enough, and I'm going to start doing away with some of you. And um, some of the things that came across the pipeline really affected the people because of their actions, their choices that they made in life and following other gods that were not of the true God. So my friends, you know, I think I left this off last time that if you are being obedient to God, even in the struggle of your life, in the challenges that you're facing, God is still going to bless you and reward you. But if you are not being obedient to what God has required of you and even asked you to do on behalf of the kingdom, you will face consequences. And they're not going to be good ones. It's not going to be easy. If you think being obeying and, and having a challenge is one thing, imagine disobeying and what the chaoticness of that will become. So my friends, as we pick up in chapter 4 of Hosea, starting with verse 7, this is what it says. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me. I will change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people. They set their heart on their iniquity. And it shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. For they shall eat, but not have enough. They shall commit haltry, but not increase. Because they have ceased obeying the Lord. We're going to stop right there. Short and sweet. <laughs> My friends, we had been talking about... How even the priests had gotten caught up and not even following fully through what God had asked them to do. They got sidetracked also. They got caught up in the moment, right? Because what we have to remember, my friends, was at this time of Hosea, the community had a responsibility. Individuals had a responsibility to pray to God, to worship him, to follow his laws and his commandments. And if there was sin with among them, if someone sinned, they would have to go to the priest for an atonement of the sin. And they'd have to bring an offering to the altar of God. And the messenger was the priest who handled that on their behalf. And the more people sinned, the more they kept bringing goods. Because you had to bring goods. You had to bring uh, animals to sacrifice. You had to bring uh, a, an offering of, you know, first fruits and things of that nature. And what was happening was that people were sinning so much that... They just kept bringing a lot of stuff to the priests. And the thing was that part of the offerings and the first fruits that they would bring as a, as a sacrifice and, and as an offering unto the Lord, the priests were allowed to actually partake in those things because the priests were primarily sustained um, by the congregate members, right? By the community at that time. Their livelihood was based on some of the offerings that came unto the Lord. What they ate also came from what people brought of the first fruits of their crops and their cattle and things of that nature. And when they partook in having those things, having the opportunity to eat, because they had the roof over the head as priests already there. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> the, 
because there was so much sin going on in the community, there was an overflow of abundance and an overflow of offerings that had come to the temple, that have come, that had come to the place where the priests resided in the tabernacle, right? And what would happen? Well, there was just so much of it. The priests, who were only a few priests, not a lot of priests, who were responsible for that, they couldn't consume it all. So instead of, you know, saying to themselves, you know, we need to... we need to stop this overflow abundance of goods that keep coming in as a way of people's sins. You know, uh, we need to actually speak to people and tell them they need to stop the sin. They need to stop the sin because um, back then, that is how sin was covered. That is how sin was forgiven. That is how um, people's sins were um looked at and addressed. So the main thing that the priests should have been doing at the time was like, whoa, 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 we got a problem here, Houston. We got a problem here. What they should have done was brought the congregate, all the communities together and say, hey guys, we can't continue to let this happen. That sin just continues to happen over and over and over again. And you guys keep atoning yourselves by giving offerings to the Lord. Like, the sin is okay, and the way you fix it, or you're forgiven by it, is you just bring the offering. There was a time, at this time of Hosea, that people knew the sin they were committing, and they kept doing it over and over again. People knew right from wrong, but people had dismissed themselves, so they were only going about their own lives. So instead of the priest saying, hey, let's address this sin, Because this is what you guys are doing and you need to stop. You need to stop the sin. They didn't do that. They just continued to go with the flow of, oh, you sinned again today in adultery. Okay, come on, let's pray for you. Uh, Give us your offering and, you know, we're going to do the atonement and you're going to go back on your way back home and, and have a life. Oh, wow. Okay, you are you okay, you're you're stuck okay, you all right. Everything that they were doing instead of saying we this is we need to get more to the root of the problem, if anything, they just continued to go with the everyday circle of life, like hamsters going around in circles. And then what they ended up doing, the priests, was they ended up unfortunately. Now, since they had an overflow of all these offerings, they started to sell the products, sell the crops, sell the goods, sell, sell the fabric if fabric was brought into the house of the Lord, whatever it was. Now they started to sell it to other people to gain a profit off of it. So it's as though the priests were partaking in the sin. And some of you are listening to me and going, where is that and what, what we just read? <laughs> And I'm doing, and I'm, and I'm gonna get there because we had already spoken prior between verses four through through end of five about those people who were like those who contend with the priests, right? Everybody was just going along with what they were doing. Everyone was on the same accord, and the problem with that is when it says here. The more they increased, the more they sinned against me. Now, God is referencing here to not just what the community members were doing, but what to the priests were also doing. And the more they increased, meaning, you know, they were getting a more a flow of, of abundance. They were starting now to sell those goods. They were now making money. That was a way of them sinning against God. Because their one true responsibility, especially as priests, to the tabernacle, to the temple of the Lord, was to make sure that they carried out the commandments, the rules and regulations and procedures (laughs) 
that were put in place in operating as priests to the altar of the Lord, to the the seat of the Lord, to the place of people where they came to atone for their sins. And it'd be one thing if they saw somebody coming around there once a year because someone, you know, got weak in their flesh. But to see someone coming every couple of weeks because they continue to sin, there's a pattern there. And the priest should have said, something's not right here. We can't continue to allow this to come to the altar. Um, and then it just, they, it just keep coming back. And when I think about that, I think about how even us today, my friends, as Christians, we're struggling in areas of our, of our lives. And the very first thing we do is we go to the altar, right? When we go to church, we go to the altar and we ask for prayer. Whether that's prayer from one of the intercessors in the church or prayer directly from the leadership of the church. And that leader prays for you. The pastor, priest, minister, whoever it is, praying warrior, whoever it is. And you are supposed to leave with that prayer in your heart and that prayed about issue at the altar. And then when you walk away from the altar, you should be walking away with a sense of something happening in your heart, in your mind, your spirit, and your soul to get you to the next place or position or authority that you need for whatever that prayer was in overcoming whatever you were struggling with, whatever's attacking you, whatever is messing with your mind, your spirit, and your soul. But instead, a lot of times, my friends, what we do is we, we, we grab a glimpse of what we just left at the altar. Some of us even grab onto it, hold onto it. And when we start to walk away, we still now have trinkets of what we left at the altar because we're leaving the altar, not fully surrendering things. And secondly, not really believing that God can help you with that situation that you just prayed about. And that's why sometimes in churches, and y'all know me, I'm raw and I'm real here. In churches, people keep going up over and over and over and over to the altar for the same sins they keep committing that has not been resolved. Now, I know some of you are listening to me going, but Antonia, you know, there's some prayers that God just doesn't answer right away. That is so true. And I'm so glad you're aware of that. And we also have to remind ourselves that when we pray about something, we must believe it. That petition has reached heaven and will be taken care of on our behalf. But if we take it back home with us, and we dwell on it. We're bitter about it. We're upset about it. You know, we um, we continue to engage and repeat about it over and over and over and over and over again. How then is God going to go ahead and really renew your mind? How then is God really going to go ahead and deliver you from that situation? Because a lot of us in churches, even still today... We go to the altar for prayer, but we walk away from the altar doubting if that prayer can really be answered. And that is not the type of heart that God wants us to operate in. God wants us to operate in a heart that is open to know and and understand and realize and really a trust that he is going to come through at the perfect time and fulfilling that. And once you've left it at the altar... It's at the altar for God to handle it. It's not for you to then keep dragging it. Ever see like back in the day when people used to like get married and then on the car they would add like cans of um, 
cans, you know, metal cans. And when they drove away, went click, 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 click. And then it, it would say just married, right? Well, it can't be that you walk away from the altar and then there's a just delivered sign on your back, but you still have the trail of some of the things going clink, 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 still following you back. You can't keep doing that. Once you leave it at the altar, you leave everything at the altar. You do not hesitate at all to walk away knowing God is going to resolve it. That is why there's a difference when you can see someone that has peace in their lives, even though a lot of things might be going wrong in their lives, they have a peace about it because they've surrendered it over to God and they know God is going to handle it. And with times, things are going to be operating according to how God would want it to be in their lives. And many times we see people struggling over and over and over and over again mentally emotionally with something that has happened 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. They just can't let it go. They claim they left it at the altar 60 years ago, 50 years ago, continuously, three or four times at the altar, but they still never get delivered from that situation, never get delivered from the hurt, never get um, delivered from, from the abuse. You know, whether it was verbal abuse, whether it was um, something they endured in their lives, you know, uh, mentally, whatever the case might be, you know, the hurt that was given to them. Maybe someone disrespected them. They can't get over the hurt, but that disrespect situation took place 50 years ago, and they still can't get over it. And every year they mention it. Every month they're talking about it. How in the world do you expect to be delivered about stuff when you keep bringing it back to remembrance and you keep bringing it back to the forefront of your life. I myself can tell you that I have friends that have to constantly say to them, wait, how many years was that? How many years ago was that? And when they start to tell me 10, 20, 30, I'm like, dude, do that. Like, stop it. Like, even some, some of those people are dead. And you're still, like, struggling here? No. If you left that at the altar, it's at the altar. It should be already resolved in your heart. But the problem with us, my friends, is we never really want to get let go of situations. So when it says here, the more they increase, the more they sinned against me, I will change their glory into shame. They can eat up the sin of my people they set their heart on their iniquity. How clear is this that God is saying, because you took it upon yourself to dismiss me, walk away from me, not even talk to me, not me, not even include me anymore in your life and things that you're doing, and you're going about your own thing and you're glorifying yourself, Whatever it is that I did give you or whatever it is that I have been giving you or what I'm about to give you, you're going to find that it's not going to sit well with all of you because you're eating up the sin of my people. And they are specifically, this passage is even more representative of what the priests were doing at the time with the people. Because remember what I just spoke about earlier, the livelihood of the priests, of the offerings that were brought in to the storehouse of the Lord, right? So the priests were allowed to partake in that because that is how they got their meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, (laughs) right? And if they had an abundance of materials, they were allowed to have it. So think in layman's terms like this. If I'm if you have to bring something to the storehouse today in 2022, some people are going to bring bread, eggs, milk. Some people are going to bring soap, toilet paper. They're going to bring paper towels. They're going to bring things that could be utilized, right? Um so they come and they bring things that can be utilized and consumed. So that's what the priest at that time was getting 
And because they were eating of the sin <laughs> for that offering that was brought in, and they kept eating the stuff that the same person kept bringing with the same sin over and over again, or just tons of people sinning as never before who had never sinned, they were in doing the enlightenment of eating. That's why it says here, they eat up the sins of my people, they set their heart on their iniquity. Meaning that the priests at the time were not even considering something's wrong here. Lord, this is an overflow of sin. Something's wrong. We're not bringing our message across to our community. We need to be ambassadors and put our foot down and say, Hey guys, we need to have a discussion of the root of the problem of where the sin is coming from. And as we know, if we look back at scripture and passages, we learn that these people were worshiping other gods. We learned that people were worshiping the Canaanite gods, the Baal gods, the Asherah gods. And those gods were gods of representatives of trying to do things um, in, a, in that God way so they can have and attain what they wanted in the flesh, in the natural. Because when they prayed to those gods... Those were gods that were giving them things that they wanted in the natural. They prayed to that God for things in the natural. And some of the things they were praying for were not good things. So when it says here, they shall be like people, like priests. So I will punish them for their ways and reward them for their deeds. Why? Because the same way like the people were sinning, it's like the priests were sinning. And they would punish them for their ways. So it wasn't just the people who were committing the sin that were going to be punished. It was also going to be the priest at the time who was entertaining the sin. And we have to be very careful, my friends. That's why today in some churches, we need to be very aware of what we hear and see as congregant members from our leaders because these priests were the leaders of the community they were supposed to set up the great example of what it was to honor god worship god in spirit and in truth to hold up to his law and his commandments they set the presidents of the example and if that priest themselves would have stepped up and say hey something's wrong here uh, you, there's just sin going rampant in this town. There's sin happening in every household. Something's wrong. We need to go to prayer. We need to go to fasting. We need to break down those strongholds. Let us find out. Wait, are people also worshiping other gods? Wait, if they are, we need to stop them in their tracks. We need to let them know that they need to turn away from that sin. We need to t- let them know they need to turn away from that God who, who's a fool. God because they will never attain what the true God wants to give them for their lives and those priests because they didn't do that they partook in entertaining the sin they profited from the sin they consumed the sin and it's as if they were doing the sin themselves so we have to look at leadership sometimes and go is my leader doing the right thing is my leader following the law and the commandment correctly is my leader speaking about the word of god in the bible correctly is my leader twisting the the words is my leader misinterpreting the message you have to all of you who are listening to me right now even me (laughs) that you're listening to, you have to say, is Antonia really reading from Hosea chapter 4, what she's reading 
right now through this podcast, you need to have your Bibles open (laughs) and follow along with me to make sure that that's what I'm reading. Now, some of us have different versions of the Bible. You know, you have your NIV, you have um, the King James Version. There's all different types of versions, right? I got the the new translation of King James Version, but... The context of the, whether it's the word is maybe in the dictionary, a different word, but it's the same meaning. If you're, if you're following along with me, you're saying, oh yeah, what exactly what she's reading is what I see here. So even as a leader in this podcast, as the host, it's my responsibility to read this correctly, to read it as it is. It's my responsibility to how the Holy Spirit guides me, how the, the love of God comes in my heart to express and share what's written. It's my responsibility. I am held accountable to even those of you who are listening to me right now. So because of that, I make it sure that even as a host and a leader, I have to follow the Holy Spirit. I have to follow what God gives me in my heart to share and express based on his word. And we must do this every day with our leaders. I must do this with my own pastors. You must do this with your own pastors, your own priests, your own ministers. You have to understand that if you are in sin, primarily in sin, and you keep doing the sins over and over and over again, and you keep going to the confession stand at the Catholic church, or you keep going up to a pastor at the altar in a Christian church, whatever the case might be, or to the back prayer room to an intercessor, and you keep committing the same sin over and over and over again, and you're now continuing to give over and over and over again these things, you are not just never ending the sin, but you're, you're also containing something of that sin that you are bringing forward to others. So we have to very, be very mindful. Because if I was an intercessor, if I was um, a prayer warrior in a church, which I'm not, you know, I'm not in that ministry. I, I have my own, you know, home base here thing that I'm doing. But if someone keeps coming to me with the same problem, and I tell you, I have friends who have come to me with the same problem. I start getting the zeal of the Lord that shuts it down. That's when you have to say to somebody, enough is enough. Stop the nonsense. Stop the sin. And when you start praying heavy into that situation, because what people like to do is they know they can come to you as a sponge. Because, oh, I can go to Antonia 10 times with my same sin because she's always going to accept me and she's also just going to continue to pray for me and she's also just going to continue to send me on my way and I'll feel a little bit happy-go-lucky. No, that is not my intention at all. I don't want anybody going (laughs) happy-go-lucky. I want people to be free. I want people to be delivered. Happy-go-lucky is only a temporary, you know, sugarcoating situation. Deliverance and freedom from sin, addiction, or whatever it is you're struggling with in your life. There is nothing better than for you to be totally delivered. And you can have a fulfilled life as God has intended it for you. And that's why these priests that were partaking, they were just as fault at fault as the people who were committing the sin. And then it says here, For they shall eat, but not have enough. They shall commit harlotry, but not increase, because they have ceased obeying the Lord. Now let's talk about that a little bit. Because when I read this scripture, it reminded me of something. Years ago in my life, before I was even a born-again Christian, there was a time in my life, especially when Sissy, they shall eat but not have enough. There was a time in my life when I used to work three jobs. It was a given. I worked three jobs, three jobs, three jobs. Every day I was working three jobs. I would leave very early in the morning. I wouldn't come back home to really, really late at night. 
I went to sleep and it started all over again. And for many years, it seemed that even though I was working those three jobs, I still didn't have enough money. I still didn't have enough resources. I still didn't have peace of mind. I definitely didn't have much rest because when you work three jobs, you're practically not sleeping. And it wasn't until I realized that what I was putting myself through was just going through the motions of trying to fulfill what I wanted to fulfill for myself and not thinking about what I needed to actually fulfill that was viable. That was the real thing I should have been after. Or it should have been the right choices for me to make to really be part of my family or be more engaged with like my friends. And it wasn't until years later that I realized that the that hustle and bustle that I had going on, I didn't even need to really do that. But at the time, what I thought was the right thing to do is what I was doing. So I've forgiven myself for that time. And I've moved on into a new time in my life now. And what people, I'll still multitask. I've always been a multitasker. That's just in my DNA. But the, but the component of the, the constant two, three job thing, I'm not really doing that anymore. Um, I spend time now focusing really on the things that God would want me to do. Of course, I have my regular job. I have a part-time job. But the things that God wants me to do, and I spend time in the creativity section of my life of where God really wants me to invest my time in. And I really think that when it says here they show eat but not have enough, that even though in the supply of that time of Hosea, even though they were going after what they wanted and they were eating and partaking, they still did not have enough. They would still lack. They were still lacking something because they were not going after the things of God and they were not going after the things that were um, sinless. They were going after things that were sinful, uh, partaking in that, consuming it, and then then realizing they didn't even still have enough. And when it talks about here that they should commit holotry, but not increase, right? Because at the time, what we need to understand is that at the time of Hosea, as I mentioned earlier, they were worshiping other gods. They were worshiping the Canaanite gods, the Baal god, and the Asherah gods. And when they were worshiping those gods, those were seductive gods. Those gods represented like fertility and they represented sexual reproduction. So in a sinful, in the sinful nature, the, the, some of the children of Israel were praying to those gods for things to happen in their lives um, of results of things that they wanted. So if at the time someone was barren, they couldn't have children, and that is just what God had for them, the true God had for them to be barren at this time in their lives, and they were not happy with that, and they wanted to have children, and they wanted to have a miracle happen, but they didn't go to the true God to ask for that miracle, or maybe they weren't even supposed to be having children, because, you know, what God sets up for you, my friends, and for me, it's set up in such a way that is different to everybody else. We uniquely have assignments from the Lord of what we should be fulfilling or not fulfilling in our lives. And then they went ahead and went to the other gods and started worshiping those other gods. And in those types of gods with asking for fertility, you know, oh, I want to have a baby. I want to get pregnant. They started to do things that were bad um, actions of how then they started to go into hollow tree 
prostitution. Then it, it took them into prostitution. It took them into adultery. It took them into doing sexual acts and things that were not of God, that were not put in place from God. And because of that, even though they were trying to attain and gain what they wanted, that's why it says here, for they shall eat but not have enough. They shall commit holotry but not increase. Because they were looking to have, possibly have children, but even though they were walking around, y'all know I'm raw on this podcast, they were having uh, re- a sexual relationships with people. They still were not producing children, but they were still committing the sin, <laughs> but not getting the result they wanted. And that's what it says here, because they have seized obeying the Lord. Because God was like, yeah, you're going to go around and you're going to do all that. You're going to like do all the sinful stuff. But it's just not going to work out for you. Sorry, it's not going to pan out. Listen, because sin does not lead to good things. And sin does not lead you to a, a, a road that is filled with joy and peace and happiness and it doesn't lead you there it leads you to destruction sin sin leads you down a road of destruction it leads you down a road of um disgrace it leads you down a road that could ultimately destroy you and a lot of times we see people committing sin and we see them gaining things right because in the natural we see things and we go, man, I know that guy's laundering money. He's right, driving Royce Royce and he's he just bought himself a mansion. And now he has a plane and, you know, he has tons of money. He's traveling all over the world. It doesn't mean that that sin is not going to be exposed. It doesn't mean that that sin is going to fall on his lap one day and be like, your status is gone. <laughs> like It doesn't mean that it's not going to be identified one day as everything that the person has acquired has been done through sin. And that's why sometimes our eyes, we have to be careful with our eyes, our ears, our mouths, you know, what we see, what we hear. Because a lot of times as humans, we get so easily caught up. So if you're, so if you're struggling financially, but God is meeting all your needs. Count yourself rich and blessed because he's still providing what you need, not what you want, right? And in times, God may treat you and surprise you and bless you with a want, right? That's what I tell people. Sometimes God surprises me with a want that sometimes I know I wasn't able to have because I couldn't financially afford it. And all of a sudden, he has someone bless me with it. You know, so I wait my time. I, I have my patience God gives me patience. I have my patience. I, I, I take my time. I wait on the Lord. I wait on the Lord. And that is what we're supposed to do. And at this time, my friends, it was clear that these people were sinning, that they had turned away from God, and that no matter what they tried to do on their own, no matter on what of their own accord, their own merit, their own way of being, They were not going to be able to prosper, nor gain, nor acquire what they wanted for themselves because God was not part of it. God was not in it. He was not consulted by it. He, you know, they did the total opposite of what God had required of them. And my friends, when I talk about this, I talk about how important it is that our leaders, that the leaders that we have, that we do also hold them accountable. That's why a lot of people say, you know, um, well, my pastor, my priest, my minister, you know, he's the main person. He's the one who, who oversees everything. I've got to follow what he says, you know. And if we start to look at some scenarios historically of some pastors and preachers that have led their congregation down the wrong path, down the wrong road, you know, um, it's not, we have to be reminded of those things to give us an, uh, an understanding and an awareness that we pray and we lift up our leaders, um, but the person we ultimately worship is our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. Our leaders are held also accountable for how they handle their flock, 
And if you are a flock who, who has been mishandled, okay, you need to think about seeking help somewhere else because there are a lot of people that we get to see these days that stay stuck in their sin, in their circumstances, in their chaotic states because pastors are not being strong, strong, powerful, filled with the Holy Spirit pastors. They're just everyday pastors that are just going with the flow of life and going with the flow of trends and going with the flow of society. And yeah, they're sharing the word and speaking the word, but are they filled with the Holy Supernatural Spirit that God gave each and every one of us for those that are saved and truly believe in Him and operate in the Spirit? Because when you operate in the Spirit, you can see what is happening in the spiritual world and then you know as how to conquer things, how to attack things back with God's words, how to do the battle because the Lord is by your side. In this day and age, all we're seeing is that people are just receiving sugar-coated messages and sugar-coated things to help them feel happy. Well, happiness could just be temporary. What you want is the joy of the Lord for a lifetime. (laughs) And I always tell people that. You want the joy of the Lord for a lifetime. You may not be happy, but the joy overcomes and and even over um, um, takes happiness. Because happiness could just come in small areas of your life. You could be happy today and sad tomorrow. But if you're sad tomorrow, do you still have the joy of the Lord? I have experienced being sad because something happened in my family, something happened in my life and my circumstance, but I still have the joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord oversurpasses that sadness. So I'm able to get through that situation. You know, there has been times that depression has tried to set into my life. You know, I get up and what what do I have still in my spirit? I have the joy of the Lord. So what do I do? I go and I play gospel music. I start to sing. I start to clap my hands. I start to worship God. Right? The mindset, my heart, get it on the right track. Because when depression can come in and take a hold of you, can destroy you. It can really bring you down, tear you down. So my friends, we need to know what it is to truly understand the joy of the Lord to understand that intimate relationship with God is important. Intimate relationship and surrender to Jesus Christ is important. That we have to be obedient to what God has asked us to do. And when we're not obedient, we will face circumstances and consequences. So that's why in this word, even though we only read from passage 7 to 10, it's deep here. Why? Because everyone is held accountable to what is happening. The more the people sinned, the more the priests received. Do you understand that? Because they couldn't eat all the offerings that were given to them. They sold them and gave some to their relatives. The priests profited from the continuation of sin. It gave them power and position in the community. So instead of trying to lead the people out of sin, they encouraged sin to increase their profits. That is not a good thing. And that's why I tell you today, my friends, it is very important that we obey God. That we are focused on Him. And here's the thing, here's the problem. You know, we look to the pastors, the priests, and, and, and the ministers, and those in position of leadership, especially religious leadership, in holding accountable and being the spiritual leaders, you know. But if they do wrongdoing, that's not a good thing. Because the priests, all our pastors, our priests, our ministers, you know, those in position, they have to set the example to the congregation, to the community. If they do their own thing and go about doing their own sin and doing the wrong thing, well, people are going to look at them and be like, well, they're doing it. Why can't I do it? Because spiritual leadership, my friends, is a responsibility. It's a big, heavy responsibility. 
whether you're a teacher at a church, whether you hold a church office, whether you do a Bible study like what we're doing today, we need to take responsibilities and we need to take them, you know, and be accountable, held accountable for them. And be the leaders who lead others to God. My intention today is not to profit from anything. My intention today is to share the word with, of God with you today. That it would fall into your ear gate, into your spirit, your mind, and your soul. And that you would get an understanding of this word. And, and if you walk away from anything today, you're walking away with, my gosh, Antonia said, if you don't obey God, we're going to go down the hill. We're going to fall. This is going to be tra tragic. You know, we need to obey what God is asking us to do. We need to not walk in sin. If, if you live with anything today, you're going to know. Antonia spoke about sin. I can't be in sin. Am I caught up in sin? Let me check myself out. Let me examine myself if I'm caught up in sin. Let me go and get prayer, get fully delivered from this issue that I'm having, that I keep bringing back home with me every time I pray from it, about it at the altar. Like, you should be walking away with a realization of the word. Something would have sparked in your heart, your spirit, your mind, your soul. Something has come to you as a knowledge or revelation. And that is through the Holy Spirit of the word that you are hearing. And it's not for me to profit from it. It's for me to share this word so that you too can be delivered and be free. So my friends, I hope that you have been touched by this word. And I want to let you know how much God loves you. And if you have not surrendered your life to Christ, it is never too late. It is a simple prayer just like this. Father, I know I have sinned. I know I have not been following you. I know I am caught up in sin. Father, I ask for forgiveness. I want to turn my life around. I confess now all my sins and I, I receive and I accept the fact that Jesus died, died on the cross for my sins to redeem me. That he is Lord and Savior and the King of Kings and that I want to surrender my life over. Please do a new thing in me, God. Please do a new thing in me. Renew my mind, my spirit, and my soul. And help me turn away from my sin. Help me turn away from the bad things that I'm doing. Help me fully surrender my life over to you. And guide me. It's so simple as that, my friends. Giving your life over to the Lord. It's a simple prayer. It's nothing sophisticated. Just speak from your heart. God wants to hear from you. So my friends, I, told, I hope you have been blessed by this word. I look forward to sharing the word with you again next week. We will rise and shine with the word of God. Wake up Saturday mornings with a purpose. God bless you. Antonia Roman is the author of Confessions of a Christian Woman, A Journey in Marriage, A New Beginning. In this book, Antonia shares her personal journey in marriage and how she used God's word to help her overcome verbal abuse. Tune in next Saturday as Antonia Roman continues to dive into the Word of God. The Word of God gives you insight for the purpose in your life.